0: there are constantly these things happening where I'm having a moment of unmet expectation, a moment of hurt feelings, a moment of feeling like I'm unheard or unseen or misunderstood, and that each and every one of those moments was another little spot of loss.
1: Everyone. Welcome to the Healing Cassandra podcast. I'm Margot Alexis and it feels good to be back. I took a little bit of a break. I traveled um, to my nephew's wedding. We went to Spain and France and it was wonderful. So traveling with my husband in the past has not always been great. He's not a great traveler. It takes him out of his comfort zone. So this time my son came with us um, to attend his cousin's wedding and my son is 24 and I tried a different strategy and it was awesome during the trip I said I'm going to let go of control as much as possible but that was one of the things that I wanted to practice during the trip was letting go because usually when we go on vacation I feel like I can barely enjoy it because it's all the work ahead of time getting everything ready the flights the hotels all of that And then you get there and it's taking on the responsibility of the directions and picking what to do and the restaurants. And before you know it, it's, it's over. And I feel like I didn't enjoy any of it. So this time with my son coming along, I said, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to step back and let my son and my husband take control. So I sat in the back seat while we were driving, and my husband was um, driving, and my son was the co-pilot, and they worked out all the directions, and if any of you have been to France or Barcelona, you know the driving there is absolutely crazy, and uh, especially then for someone like my husband with uh, ASD, it was he was very much out of his comfort zones. but my son really really handled the situation. There were some few tense moments, but they they really got it down and we were together over two weeks time. And then it was just so nice because I didn't have to worry about picking restaurants. My son was there and he says, mom, what do you feel like having for dinner tonight? You know, and I would tell him and then he would research the restaurants and we would go out to eat and have a have a great time. So for me, it was just a nice experience to work on letting go. And I'll tell you, it made all the difference. Um, sometimes it was a little bit, um, difficult and I, I just wanted to grab hold of situations because that's what I'm used to. And that's how I've, uh, lived for many years, but this was excellent practice for me to just let go. And I'll tell you, I really enjoyed myself. I really had a great time. And I think, um, it, it brought me closer to not only my son, but my husband, and we had a wonderful time in Spain at the wedding, and we got to catch up with family. So so now I'm back, and in this podcast, we are going to take a look at grief and forgiveness, and anyone who's in a neurodiverse relationship knows that grief is very different than Maybe other grief that we've experienced um, with the loss of a loved one, grief in a neurodiverse relationship can be ongoing. And sometimes all of those you know stages that we go through when we have lost a loved one or have grieved other experiences, maybe the loss of a job, and you feel like it's very linear, linear, and you go through the cycles, doesn't apply when you're in a neurodiverse relationship. Sometimes it can feel like it's just, you know, constant grief and micro losses that we experience because of our unmet expectations. So um, in this podcast, we're going to talk to Jess again. I spoke with her uh, on a previous podcast about uh, grace, having grace in a neurodiverse relationship. This podcast is part of one of our special events that we have in the Healing Cassandra community, but I thought it was so great I wanted to to share it uh, with all of you. So we take a look at grief and how we handle grief in our relationship and also forgiveness. Enjoy! I'm really excited about today. Our special guest is Jess. And if any of you listened to the podcast, Practicing Grace, um, it was a wonderful conversation that we had. And we touched briefly on grief and grief in a neurodiverse relationship. And um, uh, Jess coined a phrase that I just thought was really profound. She talked about micro losses. And so um, I want you to know, welcome Jess, and we're looking forward to having a, a great conversation. Hi, Jess. Why don't you start with telling a little, us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah. Um, so I
0: um, have been married for almost 11 years. Um, we have three kids about a year or so ago upon getting a diagnosis for my youngest son. Um, I sort of had a light bulb moment that I might be in a neurodiverse marriage. (laughs) So it took me a while to sort of land at that awareness. Uh, My husband is not diagnosed, um, and we're still very much in dialogue (laughs) about what that means, um, and how he receives and perceives that is somewhat in flux depending on the situation. Um, and over the past, again, probably year or so, I've been doing a lot of work on myself um, about what that means. And I've been processing a lot of emotion, um, building my sort of toolkit on navigating all of this um, and all the nuances and layers to it. And Margot and her support has been a huge part of that for me. So I'm excited to be here and share in any way I can, because I know, you know, likely we can all relate to one another in some way.
1: Great. Thanks. So let's talk, let's just jump right in. And, and you know, Jess and I, you um, we'll um, have the conversation. But please, if you have any questions or any thoughts on that, please feel free to to jump in because this is something that uh, we can learn from from each other. So when we're in a neurodiverse relationship, I, I just think from all the years that, you know, I look at the grief portion of it, that it's very different than the way we grieve other relationships, whether it's a loss of a parent or I had a business that. Went down the tubes and that I, you know, I grieved that for a long time. But once that was over, you know, you you move on. But when you're in a neurodiverse relationship, um, I remember during the podcast, you said, Jess, we consistently experience moments of mini grief. And then you said that micro losses are a high volume of small disconnects. Do you want to expound upon that?
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the things I realized as I was really just trying to figure out, why is this so hard? Why does this feel so impossible, right? When it comes to connecting and getting on the same page with my husband, I realized that because it's not one instance, it's ongoing, right? Throughout the course of any given day or any week or any month, there are constantly these things happening, where I'm having a moment of unmet expectation, a moment of hurt feelings, a moment of feeling like I'm unheard or unseen or misunderstood and that each and every one of those moments was another little spot of loss, right? It was another little spot of grief. And because it's ongoing, I need to give myself a lot more grace and a lot more space to process it than what Margo was just describing about having sort of this one-time grief, right? Which of course also carries through life. So I think once I realize that, it was really helpful for me to begin to see that I needed to treat myself much more kindly um, because of the gravity of what I was experiencing, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does make sense because it is different. And, you know, for many years I try to follow the whole process of the grief cycle. Okay, now I'm in denial. Now I'm in anger. Now I'm bargaining, which I never really felt in my neurodiverse relationship. I did a lot of bargaining. That one didn't come up, but the um, depression sure came up. And then those feelings of acceptance where you feel like, okay, I got this. I accept it. This is the way it is. But then, uh, then, you know, I don't accept it. It's so, I just, it it didn't feel right. Now I posted on the, um, on the feed and several of the ladies really responded to it. It was an article that looks at grief differently. It was Dr. Tonkin's version of grief and the theory on grief is where, you know, the grief will always be there, but we're going to grow around the grief and that can look different. You know, you can be like, um, a plant where the grief is the ball and then continues to grow and grow and grow. For me, I look at it like as a coffee bean or just a little bean and it's going to be there. It's still going to be the same size, but my life's going to go on around it. And I don't know how you feel. Like, do you, do you feel like you'll ever get over the grief as long as you're in a neurodiverse marriage?
0: Yeah. I, I love that article. First of all, anyone who hasn't read it, I highly recommend that you do because I think it, um, it really does inspire a lot of hope um, in terms of what's possible in our lives and in our relationships. Um, And I think, I think it's so accurate in that the grief doesn't go away, but perhaps it, it shifts how it impacts us on the day to day. Right. And there are some days certainly where it's harder than others. It comes in waves, shows up real big. (laughs) Right. And there are other days where, Um, it's not quite as present depending on what's going on. But I love the idea that that doesn't mean it ends there, right? That the article really points to the fact that our lives um, can continue to add layers of beauty, layers of joy, layers of connection that maybe don't look how we thought they would look, right? Maybe they don't meet our initial expectation or picture of what marriages or relationships are or how our needs are met, um, but that it is possible to have those layers added on and to move through that grief as well, right? They're not mutually exclusive. It's not either I grieve or I have joy and a good life. It's it's both. It's and. So I I love that article. And I think it's, I think it's very true. I kind of, I'm very visual. So I like what you were talking about, about imagining, okay, it's the coffee bean. And I'm thinking of it almost like the grain of sand inside the pearl, right? It's like... All of these beautiful things can be layered on top of that grief. And I think my initial feeling when I first had the realization was like just loss. All I saw was loss. Oh, my gosh. Right. All I feel is hurt. All I feel is what I'm not going to have and what I can't get. And that picture for me just it feels much more hopeful.
1: Yeah, I I do feel that it was it's really hopeful. And after reading that article, I felt comforted because I always felt like I was on that roller coaster, which our relationships tend to be a roller coaster of up and down anyways, but that whole uh grief cycle, either I thought of it like linear, like I'm gonna go through each one and be over with, or I'm just gonna go round and round and round. And to me that just didn't feel good. But this way of looking at it, okay, it's gonna be there. I'm accepting that it's there. And you know, I can grow around that it just seems so much more hopeful and positive. But I like what you said. It's also, you know, it doesn't mean that this grief's going to go away because many of you ladies may be able to relate. Sometimes I just grieve the fact that this relationship is hard. This is hard and it's not going to be an easy relationship. And sometimes they'll have, I'll fantasize like, okay, next time I'm getting the surfer dude and we're going to eat raw food and do yoga together and sell t-shirts on the beach and maybe smoke a little weed. <laughs> like the total opposite. You know, and, and um, you know, I, I think about that, you know, that's like the fantasy, you know, that we go to. We we talked about last, uh, last month, you know, with Brene Brown and the stories we tell ourselves. And, you know, that's the thing is, you know, what are the stories... That we tell ourselves, and I think when I get into that story mode, then that will will exacerbate the grief. Um, There's, I was reading some of. I follow Byron Katie, and she says an uncom- uncomfortable feeling is like a compassionate alarm clock that says you're caught in a dream. Wake yourself up. <laughs> it's easy sometimes to really just get stuck in that grief,
0: and and I think it's also so much about. That word that you used a moment ago was accepting it, right? Because once I understand that grief is a a part of life, right? This is that's like just a life thing. Let alone within the context of our relationships. Um, once I accept that it's there, I can begin to disarm some of its power. It's no longer a thing I have to fix, right? I, I, I'm very much like you. We have this similar personality, Margot, where it's like, Oh, I have the grief. Okay. Here are the X number of steps I need to move through in order to fix this and make it better. And it's linear and progress is like this, right? And we've got our charts and our paper and our fixing. And the fact of the matter is like, that's not real life, right? That's not how grief works in general, let alone when you're constantly, you know, barraged by these micro and mini losses here and there. Um, so, Once we become an observer of that grief, we can say, oh, there's grief, right? It loses some of its power. It loses some of that charge that takes so much from us, right? And I think the more we can be in the habit of saying like, okay, here it is. I'm feeling grief. And this doesn't mean something bad about me. It doesn't mean I need to work harder or I'm not doing the right thing or what have you. It simply is you know, then I can be an observer of it and I can say, okay, let me be kind with myself today. How can I care for myself better? Because I am experiencing this, you know, and then we can have a lot more grace for ourselves and and for our spouses too, right? We know they need it.
1: (laughs) So earlier you talked about how, you know, in our relationships, it just can happen on a daily basis. And I know like sometimes when I'm least expecting it, I'll, see something on TV, somebody else's relationship, and, you know, maybe a drama, maybe something, and then I'll just get taken aback, like, oh, I don't have that, I want that, you know, and, and, you know, those are the type of things that, or a friend, or we've talked about before as a, as a group, where, when we're out with other couples, or, you know, other, and then we come back home to our spouse, and like, it's it's a wake-up call. We just feel like, oh, I'm sad. I want that. You know, so it's those expectations that we build up for ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And comparison um can really be a trigger for that, right? Because it's very easy to look around and see things that look differently. And again, that's one of those life things. It's with everything, right? When we begin to compare, we begin to say, oh, I, I wish I had that, or I wish things were like th- you know, that and not like this, it can be very hard. And it can be very emotionally draining. And I think the more support we have in order to get those feelings out, in order to have conversations with women like all of us who relate, who get it, you know, um, the better we can process that in healthy ways where it doesn't hurt us as much, right? Because it's easy to get in a swirl with that and to sit in a place where you feel really hopeless,
1: Another thing that I think makes it a little bit more difficult is our husbands. And I I think like um, many of our husbands, they haven't been diagnosed. So we're in this alone. You know, we see, you know, all of this in the relationship and, and uh, you know, they're not, I I just think it would be, the you would probably still have, um, I'm making this up, but I would probably if my husband, uh, was diagnosed and he was uh, uh, willing to make changes and, you know, be all in on that, I would probably have some grief, but I I would not like this. I just think that makes a difference. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's that aloneness that you're pointing to is that. um, And I think there's also sometimes a piece of us. I know for me, especially in the beginning, I was like thinking, am I? this up. <laughs> Is this real? Right. Because I think in so many cases, um, other people around them don't see it because other people around them aren't trying to have this really deep interpersonal relationship with them like we are, right? So we're the only person experiencing them in this way on this level. And that can be very isolating. And I remember feeling like I was questioning myself. I was like, something's wrong. I'm having some kind of like a mental situation. What's going on here? Right. It can feel so confusing and so disconnected. So you're right that like having that aloneness. And then here's the thing though, here's the tricky part. Um, Even if they have an awareness of it. So even for those people whose husbands have a diagnosis, that doesn't mean that they have the capacity to hold space for us. Mm. So even I'm imagining, okay, let's say this magical thing happens and somebody you know, manages to convince my husband this is real, <laughs> this is happening, and it's not something your wife's doing to you, right? Um, even if that happened, by the very nature of how his brain works, I can't then expect that he would have the capacity to hold space for me in how I'm experiencing this. And for me, that was a powerful shift of I can't expect that of him, and I'm only going to continue to be hurt um, and disappointed and um, disillusioned in our relationship if I keep trying to turn toward him for that. And for me, that's been a practice because my, your default, right. is like, oh, this is my person. This is my spouse. Like we're, you know, this is what it's supposed to be. I turn to him when I need that emotional safety and safeguard. And, and generally speaking, they're not right. And they can't. So I've, I've sort of let go of the idea that a diagnosis would really change a lot. And I've really begun to just hold tight to the idea that if I pursue my own support vigorously, then I will be able to navigate this better and in a more healthy way, a more energized way. And I won't be as overwhelmed and he's going to do what he's going to do. And hopefully he will also make strides in his own way that he needs.
1: Yeah. And it is though, you know, like you were saying, when you grieve, when somebody passes away or there's some kind of loss in that, you get other people in your circle, family and friends, to rally around you. Oh, she's going through this. They get oh, it. They get, they get it. it. Yeah. But this, I mean, what am I going to say to my friend? I'm grieving. You know, it, it would be even <laughs> so hard to explain, whereas I know all of you ladies get it. And I'm so <laughs> thankful. You know, we don't have to explain it. But even my best friend. I just couldn't sit there and say, you know, well, I'm just grieving, you know, I just wouldn't even know how to present it to them. And I can just imagine their faces, you know, because they're just not going to understand and understand it the way that, that we, we do. So um, that's what, again, just reinforces the isolation and, and all of those things that we, we experience let's um, shift for a few minutes and we can come back to talking about um grief, but also tied into grief is forgiveness. And that's Absolutely. a big one, not only forgiving ourselves and having grace with ourselves, but also our husbands.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that uh, forgiveness is powerful in general, simply because it, it means freedom, right? It means freedom for us when we allow forgiveness to come in and begin to heal places and create space for healing where we have wounds and hurt and pain. Um, But I think a big part of that too, in our circumstances is also really getting our heads around motive. Because when I think about all the things that I have to forgive of my husband, if I rethink about them in the context of his capacity, as opposed to his intent, There's a big difference, right? It's like, well, you were a jerk to me when you did this and said this and didn't do that and forgot about this and that and the other. But the fact of the matter is he's not even aware that those things happened. Those were not active choices, (laughs) right? So there's a first a rewinding of how I see what happened now that I know what's actually happening as opposed to what I thought was happening because so much of what we think is that they're operating like we are. So much of what we think about the whole world around us, the way our brain makes sense of it is by how we connect to things. So, when we observe people, we say, Oh, they're doing that for this motive. And mostly we're right. But with our husbands, we're not right. It's all wrong, right? We don't have an accurate sense of their motivation, of their focus, of what they're thinking about or how they think about it or the path that they took to arrive those thoughts. So the first thing is like shifting that perspective. And for me, that helped me with my forgiveness because it's like, how do I hold someone accountable to a thing that doesn't make sense? Right. It's like being mad at someone for not understanding Mandarin when they just don't speak it. It's like that, that just wouldn't make any sense. Right. So it's first getting our head around that, that this is a real thing that's happening in their brain that does impact their ability to choose their actions, their words, all of the above. And then the second thing is is remembering that, okay, (laughs) being able, we we have to decide, like we could choose to not forgive. We, we, we absolutely can. And that's completely our right. And some of us would be righteous and that some of us, you know, it it would make sense for us to say, no, I don't want to, I can't, I'm not going to get over it. I'm, I'm going a different way. Um, but ultimately we have to decide that. And if I want to be in my marriage, what do I want it to be like? Do I want it to be a marriage that's full of all of this anger and hurt and me being annoyed with him for every small thing he does because I'm still pissed off from all the things from (laughs) 10 years ago? Or do I want a marriage that looks different than that? And if I do, then I've got to make some choices about forgiving and I have to get help with that. For me, this was one of the biggest challenges because I'm a person who just, you know, I'm like fiercely independent, do all the things, take care of all the people. You know, and I know a lot of us are like that, but the fact of the matter is this is heavy lifting that we're doing when it comes to the emotions um, and all of the energy that's required in our day to day lives. And so getting help, this group is a perfect example of being able to connect in that way and then also investing in our own mental health. One of the big things for me has been like going to therapy for myself not because I'm trying to fix my marriage, but for myself so that I have an outlet to take good care of me, you know? So that's been a big part of my forgiveness and letting go.
1: So one thing I think that's interesting and how the forgiveness ties in with the micro losses, because, you know, we talked about uh, the grief and how we experience that on a regular basis, but when you think about it, don't we experience having to forgive on a regular basis too? Like all these, would you call it micro-forgivenesses, you know? Because I'm always finding like on a daily basis, weekly basis, I'm pissed off about something, you know? So like, why can't you do it this way? Or why are you doing it that way? So, you know, when you think about it, it's not like a big thing that happens, okay? that I, And sometimes it is a big thing that you have to forgive. But it is also all of those little
0: things. It's constant. It's constant. And I think sometimes what's happened, I know what's happened for me. I don't know if this has happened to you ladies, but they pile up, which is why I was talking about the micro losses. It's like, Oh, all these little tiny things where you're like, Oh, it's fine. I'll overlook it. Oh, it's fine. I'll overlook it. Oh, it's fine. Until eventually after 72 of those, Oh, it's fine. I'll overlook it. You're just like, ah, oh, take out the trash. Right. It becomes this like big thing. Um, and they pile up. It's like a snowball effect. And so if we don't have an outlet for that, if we don't have someone holding space for us where we can sit and say, oh my gosh, I'm so bothered by the fact that he doesn't remember to do this thing. We've talked about 6 million times, you know, if we don't have a space to express that it builds. And so those tiny moments of forgiveness, if they're not true, if we're just trying to look and push it away, push it away, push it away, it's not the same thing you know so taking good care of ourselves giving ourselves outlets relating to other women having someone who just holds space for us like just holds space for us this i'm very new to that and i i have to tell you it's been life changing like you said there's there's grief that comes with the acceptance because the acceptance has some freedom because you free yourself from oh let me fix this let me change this how can i make this better and owning something that doesn't belong to us to own, right? So there's some freedom in that, but there's 100%, there's loss, right? Because we we are officially saying, oh, I'm dropping this. I'm putting down my idea. I'm putting down my hopes, my dreams, or even my perception of what this was for however many years I'm putting it all down because I'm now accepting this And that's hard. And that's exactly why it's so valuable for us to talk about grief. Like that's grief. That's loss. That is loss. But one of the things that I'm finding is that if we give ourselves enough space and if we're patient with ourselves, it's a process. It's such a process, right? It unfolds over time. And I think one of the things is I I've been very afraid of like, I'm not even going to care about him anymore. If I accept all of this stuff, I won't even, you know what I mean? Like I will have zero connection to him. And I think that fear is real for us. But what I've started to find is, what if I ask myself a different question? What if I'm willing to say, is it possible that we can have a different kind of closeness? Is that possible? Like I'm just open to the question, right? I'm not even expecting, I'm not even there with hoping it yet, but just, huh, I wonder, right? Because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And we, we've all had these preconceived ideas about what close means. Chances are very high. We're all in the process of redefining that right now. And so I've actually had some moments, they're not always, but I've had some moments with my husband where after doing my own healing, after giving myself plenty of time, plenty of space, plenty of therapy, all the things, I have little moments where, with him where I'm like, oh, this is a different kind of closeness. I see him differently now, right? I have eyes toward him that I didn't have before. That is closeness. It's not the one that I expected. <laughs> it doesn't look the way that I thought it would, but that is possible if we want to explore that. And that's up to us because maybe maybe we do, maybe we don't. But I, I do believe that it is possible because I'm starting to experience that now in little moments and little glimpses. So- Um, And I think that's been somewhat freeing and
2: hope inspiring for me anyways.
1: Jackie, do you have your hand up?
2: Okay. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to share like um, about that acceptance. Most recently um, my husband and I had separated about three years ago. I was at that point where I knew I could not take any more of these micro losses or even the massive losses as well. Um, So I you know, decided to, I need to separate from him to get back to me and taking care of me, which I, um, and do work on myself. Cause really, like you said, um, we cannot control the other person and how they behave or what have you, but what we can do is control how we are. And so um, through a lot of um, work on myself I, and I'm still working still, that's the process. Um, I've learned to um, accept a lot of things um, that my, with my husband's behaviors. And one of them is that big grief that he's probably never going to be that man, that husband that I was hoping for, you know, since a little girl, my marriage is going to look like this. My relationship with my husband is going to be like this, you know? And then year after year, tw- we'll be twenty years married come the twenty fifth of this month. Um, you know, lots of disappointments. Hate to say that, but it's the truth. You, you all know that, right? And um, but we, I, we've, I've, I've found that when I focused more on all these good attributes, that the resentment fell away more. You know, and the, the grief wasn't as. Difficult to endure um, because my focus now was shifted on um his his positive points. So um what happened just a few months ago is he decided that he was angry with me. I asked him to leave three years ago, and then he decided that he wanted to work out our marriage. I've always wanted to work out our marriage, even when I asked him to leave three years ago. And I was still hopeful, but still working on myself. Uh, What happened just a few days ago. um, So we've been working since he decided that we're going to be working together and getting back together. We now meet on Zoom because he lives on the island of Kauai and I live on Big Island. So we're on different ends of the Hawaiian island chain. And it works. (laughs) It's working pretty. It's been working good for me for three years. He he. He basically, I just experienced another disappointment where I told him, Hey, May is a busy month. We've got a daughter graduating from high school. There's all kinds of activities and events coming up in May. Why don't we go through the calendar in order, you know, in chronological order. And he did it right. Okay. Well, the first thing coming up is her prom. And then we've got this, that, and then he glossed right over our anniversary. He skipped the anniversary and went straight to, instead of the 25th, our anniversary, he went to the 27th and that really like, boom, it put another knife into my heart. And I was like, you know, I felt I was in my feeling and I thought, oh my God, here we go again. And so of course I got really quiet because I was trying to work out this sadness and this, you know, hurt feelings that I was experiencing in the moment. And then when I brought it up to him, basically he had a, um, he had a meltdown and, uh, he got angry and he was saying all kinds of things and yelling. So I said, okay, this is a good time for me to hang up and which I disconnected from him. And I then had to sit with that grief. And then my mind went straight into the future. Oh, my God, he's going to ruin the anniversary, our 20th anniversary. He's going to ruin my daughter's graduation because the past, the past was that he he actually, you know, did um, have meltdowns right before Christmas. And then Christmas was really intense and um, just there's a lot of contention around that special holiday. So, um, yeah, my mind was in the future thinking, OK, May screwed. We're going to just have a horrible senior prom for my daughter. Then I thought to myself, okay, no, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think what's going on with him. What's what's really happening here? Stop getting so caught up in this feeling. And, um, and I was able to um, let go of what had just happened, <clears throat> refocus on myself. And what? How am I going to respond to this meltdown? Because the way I responded in the past just made the situation worse. So I chose to focus again on we can. I can. I can only control myself. I can recognize that he's having a meltdown. That he perhaps got overloaded with all these things coming up. And I can just extend grace to him and love and um, and support because of his ASD. And I did that. And in it took him a few days. He ghosted me. He didn't respond to anything. Um, which was, I saw it as opportunity for me to rise above that. Um, instead of going back to, oh, focusing on him and what he's doing. And, um, yeah, I was able to rise above that. And then, um, it basically turned out really, really nice. You know, I was c- kind and loving and, um, and it, it took effort for me to, to forgive him for that outburst. Cause the outburst went something like, I don't want it. I don't want anything anymore. I don't want anything from you. I, that, you know, I, I was wrong that we're going to get back together and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's fine. Um, I love you. I'm going to let you calm yourself down. I said, and maybe we can talk later. But you know, the bottom line is, is I've accepted in that instance, because there's days of acceptance. And then there's days of I'm not having this shit, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: that was a yeah. day of, okay, I have this opportunity. Let's do this, Jackie. You You can, you can muster up that strength and that courage, because there was, there's also a chance that he would have still been like in his meltdown and, and the problem. but I chose, I made it a mental note that if he will still be in that kind of a, a, a negative attitude, I will ask him not to come. And my perfect picture, of course, the ideal situation would have been, we are together as a family and in the hotel room in Honolulu and we're, you know, getting our daughter ready for prom, but if it, if it turned into something else where it's just me with my daughter, that would be fine too, you know, and thinking back, if, if I actually did that for multiple Christmases and multiple other things, I think I probably would have experienced a better Christmas or holiday or what have you, you know? So anyways, I just thought that I'd share that
1: ladies. Thank you, Jackie, for sharing that.
2: And for
0: me, it's it's really about us accepting ourselves and accepting however we are dealing with this right now, being gracious with ourselves, giving ourselves more space, more love, more grace, and being willing to choose the things that we need in order to be healthy in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, in all of it, right? And so um, I just want you to all know that you are seen. We could all talk forever about all these things, <laughs> Um, and it's just so beautiful to have a community of women um, who get it. Right. So we all know we're not alone and every single way that we're dealing with it. I love what Jackie said. It's like, okay, some days I'm like, oh, let me sit back and see how I can support him. And other days it's like, nope, not today. Right. And all of that's okay. All of that is okay. That however we're handling, um, things that we are now, it's a lot that we're carrying. And so, I just want to encourage you all, um, and encourage you to make sure that you're supporting yourselves in any way you can, and and to keep going with this sisterhood because it's so powerful. And thank you, Margot, so much. Oh my gosh, what thank an important you. community! Thank
1: you for being our guest today and sharing. And thank you to all of you, ladies. I learned so much from you as as well, and uh, really appreciate all of you and our time together. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on grief and forgiveness. If you want to hear this episode in its entirety, please head over to our Healing Cassandra membership community. If you are looking for a connection and support from other Cassandra women and are on a journey from healing from Cassandra syndrome, our community is the place to be. We offer support through having three events a month. At the beginning of the month, we have a live Zoom event, which the podcast that you just heard is an excerpt from one of those events. We also have a women's circle, which meets during the middle of the month, and this gives you an opportunity to meet new women who share some of the same experiences as you and get some support on problems you may be having and also your wins. And then we have a book club. So the last Friday of every month, we have a different book every month, and one of our members leads a book club. And it's also just a great place to feel like you're not alone, that there's other women out there. If this sounds like a community that you would like to be part of, please head over to HealingCassandraCommunity.com and join our membership. I would love to see you in the community and be part of your healing journey. Until next time.